open our Bibles to the book of Genesis. All right, so I just want to talk about victory over death. And uh, it's a bit like Paul was saying, you know, growing up in the fellowship, and that sometimes all of us, you know, whether we've been, you know, grown up in the fellowship and then later came to the Lord and received the Holy Spirit, or we've come to the Lord later in age or whatever, we can all take things for granted. And and um, when you look at the Old Testament, and uh, as far as death goes and how it fits into the scheme of things, and then the New Testament, and you start reading there, is a total opposite, isn't it? You know, total opposite. And and when we think about that, we think about, of course, with Adam and Eve there, that's where it all began. And we're just going to read there in Genesis chapter 3. And uh, most of us have been around a while, but um, you know the only thing that, um, of course, Adam and Eve were told not to partake of was the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And uh, like they say, if you tell someone not to do it, what well, they do? They do it. <laughs> uh, if you tell a child, don't touch that, what well, they do? They touch it. You tell them not, you know, not to have lollies. Grandparents slip them in the back. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that when Alia gets a bit older. But anyway, um, but you look at this situation; it was no different. And and uh, when we look at the devil there who deceived her, you know, and where it went from there, we're just going to read a bit of it. In verse three, it says, "But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of chapter three, verse three, just in case I didn't say the chapter." Um, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said unto the woman, You shall not surely die. And when you look at this situation, of course, it, it's no different today, is it? And, and when you know, we've got eternal life, same as Adam and Eve here had eternal life and there's distractions, but, but it's always this thought, when we lose sight of eternal life, there's that question, will we really die? Will it really happen? You know, and um, we go through all different stages in your walk in the Lord. There's times where you condemn yourself, and there's times maybe where you're a bit self-righteous. We've all been there, haven't we? Who's been there? All the people said. <laughs> you know, we, and, and yet really, when we see it in its entirety, we, we see here where, you know, the thought was, if they really you know, didn't fully understand they were going to be deceived. They're going to partake of that tree. And, of course, God said they were going to die. And that question was there, you shall not surely die. And that is what everyone out there says as well, isn't it? Surely there's no eternal damnation. Surely people can't, you know, you can't be serious. I go to church, I won't miss out with God. But it's no different, is it? And um, when we look at this, and we see from there was uh, really the beginning of the downfall of mankind through uh, right through until Jesus Christ came, which we're going to go into. But but when we look at it, we just read here in chapter four and in verse fourteen. Now, of course, uh, Cain had killed Abel, and uh, they were going to be banished from the land there. But it says in verse fourteen, "Behold." Thou hast driven me out this day from the face of the earth, and from thy face shall I be hid. 
and I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth, and it shall come to pass that everyone that findeth me shall slay me. So, you know, with um, Cain here, he thought, if I go out there, they're all going to kill me. All of a sudden, there was a fear. You know, he was afraid. Whereas before that, when they were living forever, there was no fear. And uh, with death comes fear. And with when you don't understand what you've got, of course, there is a fear. And we see people, and uh, we've seen it over many years, when people are baptised and filled with the Holy Ghost, there is no fear. You know, the Lord takes away that fear. The Bible says, perfect love casts out all fear. It says in verse 15, And the Lord said unto him, Therefore whosoever slayeth Cain, vengeance shall be taken upon him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark upon Cain, lest any finding him should kill him. So the Lord still looked after Cain. He said, Look, if anyone's out for you, I'm going to look after you. But he couldn't give him eternal life because he'd fallen. He'd fallen from that opportunity because of, you know, as we see with Eve there, and it passed throughout generation to generation. And uh, that's, I suppose, where it all ends up, isn't it? You know, even spiritually, God can look after us, but, uh, you know, even if we make mistakes, but we need, of course, to make sure that we understand the true understanding is if we don't believe we're going to live forever, what do we have? You know, what do we really have? We have nothing. Nothing at all. You know, we're just, you know, we're just like these, as it says, vagabonds just going through this world, just out there. Whether people kill us or they don't, you know, we need to understand, of course, that the Lord's got a greater plan for us. And, um, you know, we just go to, um, Job chapter 10, and really Job is the oldest book in the Bible and it was before the law and the prophets. And so we're not going to read the book of Job, but we read how even in the face of death, he knew things were going to be all right. He'd lost some of his family to death. He'd lost his wife to death. Uh, Sorry, she said curse God and die. She might as well have died. (laughs) But anyway, that's another story. (laughs) But you know, when someone curses God and they're, you know, the closest person to you, it's a very difficult situation. But, but we see how he come into a situation, um, Job chapter 10 and verse 20, Are not my days few? Cease then and let me alone, that I may take comfort a little. So he, he said, look, I'm only here for a short time and just leave me alone. I can't handle it, and, you know. You know, I, I just want to be on my own so I don't have to worry or, you know, I don't want to deal with anything, basically. That's what point he got to. He says, before I go, verse 21, before I go whence, I shall not return, even for the land of darkness and the shadow of death, a land of darkness as darkness itself and as the shadow of death without any order and where the light is as darkness. I don't think you get much darker than that. <laughs> Sounds pretty horrible. But that was the state he was in at this time. Uh, and, you know, as much as, of course, with Job, he, he uh, you know, went through certain things and his friends were no help to him and, uh, you know, when they were there. But, but he felt alone. But it was later on, of course, where he had that little bit of an understanding in Job 19. And... Uh, I read this scripture often 
maybe it's one of my favourite scriptures in a lot of ways, but but he got this understanding that where it come from, I don't know. You know, he didn't have the Holy Spirit. He didn't have, uh, you know, the Word of God like we have it. He he could pray, but, but God give him, gave him this understanding. In verse 25, For I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. And though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in the flesh shall I see God, whom I shall see for myself, and mine eyes shall behold, and not another, though my reins or my innermost uh, organs be consumed within me. So when he had this understanding, this was his turning point, where he understood who he was as far as you know what he was going through, and there was some possibility at the end. But when we read through the Old Testament, you don't read a lot about eternal life. The word eternal is mentioned twice in the Old Testament. It's mentioned little bits and pieces there, but there's not much of it. And they didn't really, you know, I was thinking about different ones. Father Abraham, you know, who was promised to be a father of many nations. That was a natural thing. He wasn't promised eternal life. Whether he gets it in the end, I don't know. I wonder, you know, I've said it before, who was raised up when, the, you know, uh, Jesus was risen and the temple was ripped from the top to the bottom. Maybe Abraham was raised up at that time. I, I don't know. But, you know, at this time, it was just a, a natural blessing that he was going to be a father of many nations. You know, and yet, what sort of promise do we have? Think about that. What sort of promises do we have? When we think about the children of Israel as they entered into the promised land. You know, okay, there was grapes, you know, huge bunches of grapes that had to be carried upon two staves and there was, there was all these things and uh, they were going to overcome the giants in the land and, and that type of thing, but still only a natural thing. You know? And some of the greater people we could go through in the Old Testament there, you know, delivered even in the natural, you know, from death. And yet, of course, God, as we know, the scripture providing something better for us. You know, and it's, I believe, when we understand eternal life and we stop and consider that and we start thanking the Lord for that, everything else pales into insignificance. And uh, we've seen it, haven't we? It's when we start, you know, we lose our way as far as true understanding that all of a sudden other things become up here and eternal life, you know, you know that's why we have the communion, isn't it? so we can remember what Christ did for us, so we can remember we're living forever now, as we're going to read. Um, Matthew chapter 5. Now this is called the Sermon on the Mount or the Beatitudes or I don't know where they get the Beatitudes from. It's not a word that's in the Bible, but um, it was the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus was preaching to the multitudes. And and when you start reading some of the... uh, words he was saying, you know, they're totally different to the things we could read in the Old Testament there. I was going to read in the um, book of Exodus there how it talks about how they come under the mount there and uh, it says how even if they were to go further than what they should, how they would die, you know, because God was there. You know, Moses was able to go up and have the golden, not the golden, <laughs> the uh, ten um, commandments delivered under him 
You know, he didn't have the golden calf, that was someone else. <laughs> or the golden tablets. But, but, but of course, you know, with that situation there, they couldn't go up because of their sin. They couldn't approach unto God the way we can. The Bible says no man has seen God and lived. You know, and yet what we have is far superior than, than uh, any natural thing. But we just read here just one verse. It says in verse 8, you know, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And we read, of course, about Job there, for I know that my Redeemer liveth, and one day I shall see him face to face. But all of a sudden here, Jesus is talking about, you know, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God, or they're going to live forever. You know, how do we become pure in heart? For anyone who's new here, without the Holy Spirit, we're just flesh and blood. And there's no way flesh and blood, the Bible says, can inherit the kingdom of God. But, you know, when we receive the Holy Spirit, and that's what he went on to explain about, this is what he was talking about, those that hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled, filled with the Spirit of God, and being able to see God, being able to be in the presence of God. That type of understanding is what he wants us to have. We just go to... um, Mark chapter 10 and in verse 17. And it's talking about Jesus. And when he had gone forth into the way, so Jesus was there, he'd just gone into the way there where people were and people were gathering gathering around, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, Good Master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So this... This man here, somehow he knows now, everyone's starting to know that Jesus is about eternal life. Now this man runs and he says, you know, what what can I do to inherit eternal life or to become an heir to eternal life? Maybe he thought it was in his descendants that he was going to inherit eternal life. You know, like uh, you know, when someone dies and you inherit all their goods, when my... My family aren't that rich, so when they die, I'll get nothing. <laughs> but, you know, in the natural, we might get nothing. It doesn't matter. But no other person can give you eternal life. And, you know, you think about this person there. He came, he kneeled, he was enthusiastic. You know, and it says in verse 18, Jesus saith unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. Thou knowest the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, defraud not, honour thy father and thy mother. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these have I observed from my youth. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him, and said unto him, One thing thou lackest, or another version that says, You know, if you want to be perfect, go and sell whatsoever thou hast and give to the poor. So, you know, whether you be brought, brought, brought into this fellowship because of birth, you don't just inherit eternal life. Nobody does. Or whether we be, you know, from the world and we get baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit, we don't just get eternal life. And, uh, you know, obviously Jesus was saying here, don't just call me good, do something. You know, if, if, 
If you really want eternal life, you need to do something. And obviously we know we're baptised, filled with the Holy Spirit, and we've done something there. But, but he was also saying, look, you need to do something with what you've been given and you need to give to others. You know, one thing you're lacking. I don't know about you, but if God says to you or Jesus says to you, there's one thing lacking, I don't want those words. <laughs> we want to hear those words. Well done, now good and faithful servant. So when the Lord reveals what we're lacking, if we don't do anything about it, then, you know, we're going to be like this man who's going to go on his way and, uh, you know, it says, it goes on to say, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven and come take up the cross and follow me. And he was sad at that saying, went away grieved, for he had great possessions. So there was other things that were more important to him than eternal life. And that's what the Lord's called us unto, isn't it? The most important thing is what the Lord's given to us. The other things, where do they rate? How, how close? Eternal life's there, where do they rate? Only we know that individually, where things rate what is important to us and what isn't. And the Lord knows we know. <laughs> you know. So we want to make sure that we don't lack that one thing. You know, that we make sure that it's understanding those, you know, as it says in verse 23, he, Jesus speaks, how hardly shall they have, that have riches enter into the kingdom of God or eternal life? And not going to enter in if it's about the natural riches and uh, the Lord is, maybe here he's talking to someone who's natural, but like all the Gospels, it's for each and every one of us to, to look at and say what is important to us. Um, let's go to John 5. And we read in verse 23. That all men should honour the Son, even as they honour the Father. He that honoureth not the Son, honoureth not the Father, which have sent him. So this is Jesus speaking. He's saying, if you honour me, you need to honour God. And to honour is, of course, as he goes on to say in verse 24, Truly, truly, I say unto you, he that heareth my words and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life. So it's a matter of believing his word, hearing his word, and doing his word. Not just, you know, hearing it, but uh, as he says, we need to honour the Father and the Son. He says, And shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. So we've passed, as we do what Jesus says, we've passed from death unto life, and that's eternal life. And as we continue to do what Jesus says, as he reveals those things to us, then we have eternal life. Verse 25, Truly, truly, I say to you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God and they that hear shall live. So as I said there, totally different to the Old Testament. There's many scriptures I could have gone through in the Old Testament about you know, death, and, but there's, there's no real opportunity for them to understand eternal life in the Old Testament. But in the New Testament we do. And I've just got written down here, if we don't hear him now, you won't hear him when you're dead. <laughs> you know? Sometimes people, sometimes they, they think on their deathbed, you know, deathbed repentance, or someone 
you know, uh, I've been a good person, and therefore, you know, my, you know, Pastor Darrell used to always say, you know, my my grandmother, she used to knit doilies, and she was a lovely lady, and all that sort of thing. You know, who remembers him saying that? <laughs> he used to say it every second talk, I reckon. <laughs> Haven't heard it for a long time, but but whatever it be, you know, on the deathbed, the word of God, Jesus said, if we honour him now, right, at this time, as it says. The hour is coming now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God. If we don't hear him now, we won't hear him later. We listen to him now and then we're going to hear him in, you know, if we do pass away before the Lord returns. But we've already passed from death under life. So we can already appreciate our standing through Jesus Christ. When we get up in the morning and we thank God that we have eternal life, that we thank him, that we're saved, that we're appreciative of the things he's called us unto, of course, in, in comparison to the Old Testament. We'll just go to Romans chapter 5 and verse 12. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Well, when there's no law, of course, you can't identify what the sin, you know, the degrees of sin, whereas the law told them, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not commit, you know, all those things, I'm not going to go through them all. But, you know, through Jesus Christ, it says in verse um, 15, not as the offence, so also is the free gift. For if through the offence of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. So through what Jesus Christ did, the gift by grace, that gift of eternal life that is given unto us, it's abounded unto many, many of us here who've received the Holy Spirit, many throughout the whole you know, generations. And he, he goes through all this and near verse 21, we can't read all this, but in verse 21 it says, As sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. So sin, Adam, Eve, death. Grace reigns through Jesus Christ. Eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. He built up to that so that, you know, at the end they might think, wow, we've got eternal life. The Bible says, if, I was going to read a lot of 1 Corinthians 15, but time's getting away on me, but in 1 Corinthians 15, it's worth going through and reading. And, uh, you know, Paul says there, if we don't believe in eternal life, he says our faith is vain. So what he's really saying is, if we're sitting here and we don't believe in Jesus Christ living forever and us living forever, we're wasting our time. <laughs> it's pointless. That's what he was saying. If you read 1 Corinthians 15, so, but you know, we read in we read a little bit in 1 Corinthians 15. That was basically verse 17. I I was quoting. He also talks about how then the dead in Christ they're just dead and buried. But before this, he he'd gone through and and spoken about you know who had seen Jesus Christ after he'd risen. But it says in verse 34. Awake to righteousness and sin not, for some have not the knowledge of God. 
I speak this to your shame. So some have not the knowledge of God. We want to make sure that we pass on the knowledge that God has given us of eternal life. When you're talking to people, tell them they can have eternal life and how they can have it. And tell them without the Holy Spirit, they're not going to have eternal life. Yeah, it's worth telling people because you get a different reaction than just sort of, you know, no reaction. So even Paul said we stand in jeopardy every hour in this chapter. But if you read throughout this whole chapter, it says in verse 25, For he must reign, Jesus, till he hath put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. When he returns, death is completely abolished. I was going to read in Revelation 20, it it talks about how, you know, when Jesus Christ returns, we don't have part in the second death. That's the eternal death. Why? Because now we believe we're living forever. Because now we honour the Father and the Son. Because now we do what Jesus said and all people said.